I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. I am intrigued with this idea of following Jesus. What does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean for us? What does it mean for Jesus? How have we come to make this particular word, follow, say so much about our discipleship, our life in Christ? Last week, we heard John's version of Jesus calling his disciples, and Chris spoke of our response to the call. Today, we're back in the Gospel of Mark, where we'll spend most of this liturgical year, and we have his account of Jesus calling his first disciples. We're only a dozen verses into this Gospel, but Jesus has already been baptized and tested in the wilderness. At the beginning of today's passage, We're told that he has come to Galilee to begin his ministry. On this particular morning, Jesus is walking on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. We don't know if Jesus woke up this morning and said to himself, this is the day I start calling followers. Or if it came to him in an instant as he saw these men working on the water. Regardless, in five short verses, the lives of these men and their families are changed forever. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending the nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Now really, who does this? Who is in the middle of the work? The work they've been doing for years, the work they have been trained to do, the work that has allowed them to have some level of security in terms of a place to live and food to eat, who is knee-deep in the middle of this and responds immediately to some random guy out walking by the lake. It almost sounds cultish, doesn't it? I mean, if my husband or one of my sons came to me and said, hey, I met this guy today, and he called me to follow him, so I'm leaving my job to go see what this is all about. I'd be calling family members and counseling professionals to help straighten them out. I am quite sure my first response would not be, oh, how wonderful for you, an opportunity to grow closer to God. In reflecting on this, I was struck by how it must have been easier for Abraham to respond to God's call than these fishermen. 
I mean, it's almost easier to tell your loved ones that a disembodied voice sounding like James Earl Jones called you to leave than it would be for James and John to abandon their dad, leave a steady career, and follow this man they do not know. It just doesn't pass the smell test. Fish pun intended. I want Jesus' call to be reasonable, well-articulated, and appropriately defended. I want to say, hey, Jesus, get some credentials, take some classes, build a resume, and then come call these guys. It is just not proper to get this gig going without a more solid foundation, or at least a business plan. Let these guys come to some of your seminars or hear you preach. Haven't you had any sales training? You have to make the pitch before you close the deal. But this is part of the scandal of the gospel, that God in Jesus doesn't operate by the world standards of what is appropriate. Jesus is inviting these men out of a a deep truth that resonates with them at some unspoken level. They are compelled following Jesus before he's performed any spectacular miracles that might validate his credentials. The fact that these guys are so responsible is why their immediate response is all the more intriguing. So what can we learn from this? Well, first, let us look at the call. Jesus calls people as they are from where they are being who they are. When Jesus went looking for followers, he didn't seek out priests or leaders in the community or the darlings of Jewish society. He chose common people doing ordinary work. In fact, Galilee was the butt of jokes. Being an Aggie, I understand what it's like for folks to make jokes at your expense. Galileans were less cultivated and spoke in unrefined ways. Their speech gave them away, which is why when Jesus was arrested, those folks outside Pilate's residence knew that Peter was a Galilean. Jesus can use anyone, including backwater Galilean fishermen, to bring about his purposes. Some of us live as if we never expect a call from Jesus. We tell ourselves that we haven't read enough scripture or don't attend church regularly or aren't gifted enough or lead messy lives. Jesus would never call us. But the truth is, most of us aren't particularly gifted or good or holy or prepared. And yet... We are the ones Jesus has to work with. And know this, Jesus acts first. Peter and Andrew didn't run an ad looking for a new rabbi to tutor under. James and John weren't seeing a career counselor about something more meaningful to do with their lives. Jesus came to them. Jesus called them. They become disciples simply through the act of Jesus claiming them. Likewise, Jesus acts first to call us. It is not if Jesus will call us. Each of us is called 
by Jesus. Our work is to discern into what Jesus is calling us. Our objection is, well, I can't leave my job and family and responsibilities like these guys did to follow Jesus. And for most of us, this is absolutely true. Most of us have commitments to people who we love. Jesus is not asking us to walk away from this. But he is asking us to live into the reality of our lives and relationships grounded first in commitment to him. Our performance on the job, our relationships with our colleagues and family members, our concern for our world and what is life-giving for others will all be richer and deeper when we answer Jesus' call to follow him. Jesus does not ask everybody to leave everything behind. But nobody can be a disciple without leaving something behind. There is some part of ourselves or our lives that we must leave if we are to follow Jesus, if we are to live into his plan for us. It might be an unhealthy preoccupation with our desires or appetites or status or control. For some of us, leaving our something behind will require a radical change in our lives. But for most of us, following Jesus will be lived out in the midst of our very ordinary lives. We are to find in our workplaces and relationships and our circumstances occasions to witness to the kingdom at hand that Jesus proclaims. We follow Jesus by living the Jesus way. In the very next passage, Jesus goes to a synagogue to teach and he heals a man of an unclean spirit. Jesus is always about the next healing, the next teaching, the next opportunity to include folks and to share table fellowship. Those of us who have decided to follow Jesus are to live lives that reflect and name God's action among us, healing, loving, including building relationships one child of God at a time. If we decide to follow Jesus, this is where he will be found. Roy Heller, my Old Testament professor, tells the story of visiting an old small church in England. The church had a rood screen, which is a decorative wooden screen that separates the the nave, the congregational worship space, from the chancel, the space around the altar. Written largely across the top of this rood screen was a portion of scripture, come unto me. It spoke to Jesus' invitation to each one of us. And because you would walk through the rude screen to kneel around the altar and receive communion, it had the deeper meaning of choosing to come forward and be fed by Jesus in the Eucharist. And when you got up from your knees and turned to make your way back to your seat, another verse of scripture was written on the back of the rude screen, visible only from this vantage point. It read, you did not choose me, but I chose you 
truth is, we do not decide to follow Jesus. Jesus has chosen you, and he has chosen me. There is no decision to be made. Only living. Only loving. Only following in the way of our Lord. No turning back. No turning back. Amen.